0: Hello, Holland Sentinel listeners. You are hearing a special edition of From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast put out by the Holland Sentinel. Um, This is Sydney Smith, the municipal reporter for the newspaper, and I'm joined today by Ryan Kilpatrick, who is the director of Housing Next, a nonprofit that works on housing affordability issues in the area. And Ryan has joined me before on the podcast, but we're going to talk about Um, an update on what he's been doing he's been in his position for about nine and a half months now and we're going to talk about the communities he's worked with and uh, just in general how's it going with affordable housing in the area you've been here for how long now
1: yeah it's been nine and a half months nine and a half months january
0: and in general how how's it going
1: you know mostly i think it's going really well um the work of housing next has always been intended to be structural right so the expectation was we have these structural underpinnings that are inlaid within um, the regulatory framework and the financial framework that creates housing And all of those underpinnings undermine our ability to build affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So the work of Housing Next is really to begin to pull those things out um, and uh, rebuild the system in a way that allows for affordability to be almost an automatic component of new construction going forward and of sort of equitable neighborhood development over the long term. So as much as I would love to be able to say, you know, we're on track to build thousands of housing Mm -hmm. units right now, um, we do have some housing units that I think are in the works. But um, this work for this year and probably for much of next year is more about rebuilding the structural underpinnings of just how our system works um, and how it doesn't work for affordable housing. And so how do we make it work so that we can get housing at all price points without having to subsidize every single one of those units. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, some communities have been really receptive and kind of welcomed us in with open arms. And some communities have said, well, tell us what you think and we'll consider some changes. And some communities we're still working on. And that was kind of what the expectation would be. Mm
0: -hmm. So can you kind of, in general, talk about who you've worked with and what you've accomplished with them so far?
1: Yeah. So primarily we're, we're trying to focus on what I would call the more metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so the holland zealand area, which includes Park and Holland Township, as well as the cities of Holland and Zealand. And then we're looking at Fillmore and Lake Town Townships and Hamilton. Um, so relatively the urbanized areas of this region. Um, but then also the city of Hudsonville has been very much engaged. Um, they've got a lot of activity happening in the downtown Hudsonville. So we're working with them on a couple of projects. Um, And then in the Grand Haven, Spring Lake area, um, we've had lots of conversations with the city of Grand Haven, also Grand Haven Township, Mm -hmm. um, and Spring Lake and Spring Lake Township. So, um, and I think it's, um, it's more within the wheelhouse of our cities with a fair amount of staff that's devoted to mm-hmm. planning and zoning and community development to say, OK, we, we get what you're trying to do and we want to come alongside for our smaller communities with less staff. Um, it's, they just don't have as much time to mm-hmm. think about some of these issues. And so we've got to find me- ways and mechanisms to provide opportunities for them to incorporate both subtle and structural changes for both the short and the long term. Um, and then we've also got to provide them with projects that we think are representative of the kind of new development that will allow for a range of housing types. Because a lot of this work is is really about stripping away our preconceived notions about what affordable means. Um, I think many of us grew up thinking that affordable housing was equivalent to public housing Mm -hmm. and that there would be lots of problems associated with crime and other issues. Um, And those are stereotypes that don't really bear out anymore. Um, But when you haven't seen good examples of mixed income communities um, that were done well, then it's very reasonable to continue to have some apprehension. Uh, And so what we've got to do with some of those communities is really set new examples of how to do things well and partner with the community to figure out how do we get something done that feels comfortable Mm -hmm. and still pushes the boundaries uh, both in terms of density and affordability.
0: So can you think of an example of a city? It doesn't have to be in this area, but Mm -hmm. where the, you know, a good example has been set
1: Yeah. um, So I think we're in the process of doing that right now. We have two projects that are in the works where we're first trying to figure out what can we make work on the on the land. Right. So Mm -hmm. we've got um, land that is available to us and we're we're testing um, how many units can we build and still have it feel good from a resident perspective and from Mm -hmm. a neighboring um, property owners perspective. Um, and then how do we build in the financial structure to make sure that there's a, the right amount of affordability? And on those projects, there's a lot of back and forth between us and city staff about, you know, what's comfortable, what's not comfortable. Um, and so we we continue to kind of push here and there to see, you know, how how much change can we exhibit in the short term and and how much work do we need to do for the long term on sort of, reshaping local zoning practice or building practice Um, so part of what those projects are about is testing the current system to see to what extent can we initiate change within the confines of current zoning Mm -hmm. um, and to what extent do we really need to use these tests as prototypes to better understand the the really structural changes that we have to make over the long term
0: i would imagine that there's some level of pushback from people who because changing a whole system historically there's always pushback to that Um, what is your experience there Um,
1: so it's really more about unpacking the Mm -hmm. standards that are embedded in current zoning Uh, so for anybody that's been around a zoning ordinance in West Michigan recently um, they're all relatively the same Mm -hmm. and the reason for that isn't because every community is the same it's because we sort of have adopted and borrowed standards from other communities across the state when we've seen them work well in other places, Um, but they're not specifically thought through or articulated in a way that's representative of one community versus another. And so that's why when you drive into a traditional single-family subdivision, there's not a lot of distinction from one to the next, Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot that would tell you you're in Holland Township versus Park Township versus Spring Lake Township. Uh, And so helping our communities to unpack some of those standards and and to be clear about the fact that they're not, the current standards aren't articulating something that is integral to the existing character or the fabric of that community. It's a standard that's been borrowed from hundreds of other communities across the state and across the country. Um, And so they are fully free to redefine what those standards say and what they mean and how they're implemented. Um and that begins to open up some doors of imagination to begin to think about, well, how could the community grow? Um and in what ways do we want it to grow? And what are the architectural standards and what are the building typology standards that we want to put in place? Um and part of that exercise is thinking about what could our communities look like a hundred years from now? And then how do we work backwards from there? assuming that we have a five-year goal for affordability mm-hmm. but um, that if if we're thinking about hundred year life cycles the, a lot of the stuff we're building today isn't going to last that long and so uh, you know especially when we think about the strip malls and a lot of the commercial and retail spaces that are already falling into disrepair mm-hmm. thinking about well if we were going to build something for a hundred years or more on those sites what do we want it to look like and how do we want it to function and to what extent do we want those sites to be overly burdened by parking lots? And to what extent do we want them to be economically valuable to us as a community? So when we have those conversations, when we can unpack all of that and say, there's there's not pressure for you to make a, a sweeping change overnight today, um, but we are going to continue to nudge you in that direction so that over the next year or two years, um, we are getting some more comprehensive reform. Um, thinking about what how we can imagine our communities for the long term is a helpful exercise, mm-hmm.
0: so I wanted to talk specifically about Holland mm-hmm. because that's where we are and <laughs> uh you've been you've spent a lot of hours it seems yeah. with Holland, so can you talk a little bit about what you've done with the city so far?
1: Yeah. So the exercise that we've really gone through, and this was kind of a partnership uh, between Housing Next and city staff, mm-hmm. was to really prepare city council um, for the expectation that there was going to be this request for a payment in lieu of taxes that had to do with the low-income housing tax credit. Mm-hmm. Um, And so in the beginning, we talked really a lot about um, what does the current master plan say? They adopted a new master plan in 2017. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that we had some new council members and some uh, more experienced council members that they were all on the same page in terms of what the plan calls for. Um, But then also to make sure they understood what tools were available. And what constraints were in the system, right? We've got to comply with the Fair Housing Act. Uh, We've got to comply with all the civil rights legislation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so setting the table with all of those expectations. um, And then to say, to be clear about the need for affordability and the impact that um, affordable housing across price points has on our workforce and on our company's abilities to grow. We wanted to be sure they were all completely aware of that. Um, but then the next part was really to help them begin to define what do they want out of a project. Mm-hmm. When they get a project proposed um, that includes a request for a financial incentive, we wanted to give them the tools to be able to react and say, um, "We these are the things we like and these are the things we don't like, and then negotiate to get the deal that they really want to make sure it's both the best thing for the residents that would live there as well as for the surrounding community. mm mm-hmm. So um, I think that it was a very productive conversation. I think we accomplished a lot of what we wanted to do. Um, I think that we we still have work to do in terms of um, getting our, our council members and our planning commissioners comfortable with articulating exactly what they want out of a project um, and defining that and codifying it. So uh, I, think, I think what we want to be able to do is set an expectation for the development community Mm -hmm. that if you do these eight things or these nine things, um, then the project will get support. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't do those things, it's not going to get support. Uh, And so I think there's still more, more work to do with city staff and with the council to really define what are those key issues that are really important to make sure the next project is successful.
0: So that would come in the form of like a policy that they would adopt or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, What's next for you with the city? Do you have any more meetings with them set up, or
1: yeah, so timeline? <clears throat> yep, so we're having conversations with staff. Um, I think we'll be back in front of the council in November to mm-hmm. have more of this conversation. Um, and I think realistically, we have to expect that the the two projects that were proposed this fall aren't going to be the last projects that are proposed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think we were all uh, put in a position with those two projects where everything was very reactionary uh, because all of the policies weren't quite in place yet to know exactly what kind of project do we want and how do we want it to look and feel and function and what's the um, municipal services agreement going to look like. Mm -hmm. So we've built a lot of that groundwork now with these projects. Um, but we've got a little more work to do before any additional projects get submitted. And we just want to make sure that they're ready and able to react early so that, you know, again, I think with either of those projects that had been proposed, there could have been an opportunity in May or June to have said, y- you got to, you know, check the box on these mm-hmm. eight or nine things. Um, whereas instead we had a lot of back-and-forth negotiation while we tried to figure out exactly what it was that the council wanted and the neighbors wanted and all of the other constituents wanted. Um, And so what we need to do now going forward is really set the stage with a lot of clarity with public input about what are the things we really expect these deals to provide to the neighborhood and to the city, Um, be clear about that, And then when a project meets those standards, we make sure it gets through.
0: Mm -hmm. And just to backtrack a little bit, you're talking about the general capital proposal on 7th and River. Mm -hmm. And then the Samaritas one at River and 16th. And those had different outcomes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the Samaritas project was supported with a payment in lieu of tax agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically what that is... Um, is it's an agreement because the developer is a nonprofit entity, they don't have to pay any taxes. Um, So what the State Housing and Development Authority does is they put a a requirement on the developer that says, we know you're tax exempt, but we're going to force you to enter into an agreement with a local municipality for a payment in lieu of taxes, Mm -hmm. which would be uh, the developer has to pay the city a portion, a percentage of their annual revenue Mm -hmm. from rent. Um, and so th- at the end of the day, the city felt comfortable with a Samaritas proposal and didn't quite feel comfortable enough with a general capital proposal. So the Samaritas, um, uh, project is able to move forward to the state for an application and the general capital project has there. They've got work to do if they want to continue to pursue that site.
0: Mm-hmm. Why do you think the outcomes were different? What was your perception? Um, I think
1: that uh, broadly, uh, Downtown, specifically um, 8th, 9th, 7th Street, uh, maybe even a little bit north, Um, downtown is a cherished part of the community. Yes. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: There is an extremely high quality to almost all of the building stock Mm -hmm. that's in that area. There has been a lot of intentionality over decades that has gone into the investments in those districts. Mm Um, and I think that what we weren't able to do prior to the the need for a decision, and we were on this deadline that's sort of imposed by the deadline that Mishta sets for when projects yeah. can submit.
0: Yeah, I think that makes council nervous. Sometimes. Yes, right. So they
1: had this deadline that they had to meet, and what we weren't able to do was help them articulate exactly what they wanted to get out of a project, right? So we had a sense, I think we did a lot of important work around the financing, and when you
0: say it, sorry, when you say mm-hmm. we, who do you mean?
1: Uh, so when I say we, I'm thinking about um, the combination of staff and neighborhood stakeholders and uh, city council and Housing Next, okay. sort of the collective body that was all kind of negotiating over: is this okay. the right project in the right place? Mm-hmm. So I guess the royal we, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what we weren't able to do was collectively decide on what do we expect this project to produce Mm -hmm. in this very cherished location. Um, And we need to be very clear about what the expectations are going forward for properties in those areas. So that a developer can come to the table with a, a clear understanding that if I want to build something on this site, these are the expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we would normally have in any other neighborhood, I think the bar is just a little bit higher in that immediate downtown. Yeah. And we've got to be clear about where is the bar set and what does the developer have to do in order to get over it?
0: Mm-hmm. I think it also, from what I've seen from city council, they get they don't love when you come in and your plan's already fully yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Samaritans was—they had a pretty clear plan of what they wanted to do, but you know the location was different. They're serving a different population of people. Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you think was the selling point? I guess for city council there.
1: Um, I I, I would hate to try to guess at the individual perspective of each council member. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that project was. Um, a little bit more familiar, uh, in terms of we've got five senior housing projects already in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, the understanding of um, Samaritas being a nonprofit agency um, that isn't isn't just in this for a buck, but has this long term mission. Um, I and think they're
0: local, right? Not um, Holland, but yeah, they're, they're Michigan, Michigan based.
1: Yep. Um, they've got an office in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that being local or not local um, was a deciding factor. Okay. But I think the expectation that um, it's a project to do good for the community uh, was an underlying factor there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and frankly, there was a fair amount of back and forth in terms of the the project design. Um, the financing. So there was a lot of negotiation over that project as well. Um, but that location, uh, you know, as we were just talking, it's not, it's not as endemic to that cherished part of downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there were a lot of folks who felt like it, it didn't have to be quite as perfect. Um, and, and many, many people really feel like if it's going to be downtown, we got to get it right. And We got to get it right the first time. Mm
0: hmm yeah even the design of the general capital project was interesting for downtown and it's just like quite a proposal
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you know it was gutsy
0: yeah it was yeah that's the word i was looking for Mm -hmm. um so aside from like you know after there was a lot of people at the meeting when that when general capital's proposal was denied that came Mm. up and spoke about the need um is that something that you hear a lot like you're working with all these government officials, but do you hear from the community, too? Uh,
1: I do. So uh, probably not as much as our counterpart at the Lakeshore Housing Alliance. Okay. Um, there, Lynn Raymond at LHA is really in the weeds um, with those organizations and doing incredible work to mm-hmm. support all of our housing agencies uh, across the county. Um, <clears throat> so I spend a lot of time doing public engagement kind of just talking about the issue of affordability. Yeah. And so I'll be at Rotary Club or at a church group meeting or at a chamber of commerce meeting. um, And inevitably at every one of those sessions, I have five, six people who come up to me and they tell me a story about a family member, Mm -hmm. about a son or daughter who's aging and has disabilities. And they're trying to find a place for them to live um, about an experience that they had 10 or 15 or 20 years ago or are struggling through now. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think it's one of those invisible issues, right? I mean, none of us are are feeling real comfortable if we're struggling to find housing about broadcasting that to everybody. Right. Um, but it's an issue that we all deal with, right? And especially mm-hmm. in a tight housing market, um, until you're given a comfortable space to say, yeah, I know what that feels like. We got to find a solution to this. Um, I think we all feel sort of the sense of competition about, you know, am I making it in the world and am I comfortable in my place? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and having those community conversations around, you know, this lack of affordability is really affecting all of us. None of us can spread our dollars as far as we used to be able to when it comes to our housing choices. Mm -hmm. Um, and just being able to have those honest conversations in the community is important because there's a lot of perspectives out there.
0: Yes. There is. <laughs> um, so just going back to the city real quick in all your work with them so far and are you pu- kind of putting together this policy for them and it's something they'll look at or um, how's that working
1: no um, I'm really at the table as a partner Okay. Um, so because of, of my background doing real estate finance and economic development and mm-hmm. urban planning um, I'm a resource for the city um, and so when they want my opinion I'm happy to offer it um, and when they tell me, you know, they don't want they don't care about what I think that's totally up to them
0: They haven't said that yet. Or no, they, have. <laughs> they haven't said
1: that yet. At least not to my face <laughs> um, And it, you know, it's the same with the townships There's a degree to which we have to collectively solve this problem mm-hmm. and we have to do it across the region, right? So we the city has been really gracious in saying yes, this is important to us and we want you to work with us directly um to get at a solution Mm -hmm. and because that's been a public process it feels um it feels like there's just all of this angst and sort of tension happening in the city around that issue
0: there has been a bit and you know this one wasn't as angsty the first general capital one was a lot more public comment those meetings were packed with people okay so i was actually surprised that this one wasn't as much like that
1: oh okay um But no, what I what I think is important is they're doing big work. Right. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. really taking on these issues and they're they're dealing with it head on and they're having important conversations. um, And we're hearing opinions expressed that sometimes are popular and sometimes aren't popular Mm -hmm. um, or they're popular with different groups. Right. And so we have all these constituencies out there that need to be satisfied in some way. And we've got to negotiate a solution and we've got to talk about compromises. Um, And it's a very public process. And so it feels sticky and awkward and all those things. Mm -hmm. And uh, frankly, right, that's democracy.
2: Um,
1: And so, you know, I think the question is, first, what do we learn from this process to improve upon it going forward? Um, And how do we apply some of those lessons to our surrounding townships and adjacent cities and other parts of the county and the broader region? Um, And then how do we collectively work together to figure out, can we solve some of these issues across municipal boundaries and begin to think about how transit connects communities across municipal municipal boundaries Mm -hmm. and how employers get into that conversation? So I think the work that the city of Holland is doing is really important. Um, and they've got to be applauded for just jumping in with both feet.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, doing it for everybody to see, right? That's, it was never going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think everybody's working really hard to find the right solution.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you're in your position for five years, right?
1: <laughs> well, techn- <laughs> right? That's the contract that the so community far, foundations yeah. have to, to support housing next. Okay. So, if I'm not doing a good job at this, a year from now, I could be gone and they could replace me.
0: Well, I was just going to say it sounds a lot like a lot of work for five years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the expectation isn't that we solve this entirely mm-hmm. in five years. Um, the expectation is that over the course of that five years we've done this hard work of resetting the structural framework for how housing gets built mm-hmm. um, and how we think about neighborhoods and economic development and all of the things that are tied up in that. Um, it, the The role of housing next right now is really to push reset on the housing ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's going to take a fair amount of time. And the hope is that we can build a fair amount of housing units during that period of time as well Mm -hmm. but the important part is that we get uh, the new structure right going forward Um, because the other thing we have to recognize is this is the most expensive it has ever been to build period Mm -hmm. right so when we look at the the basic cost of construction and the cost of labor and then you add on tariffs for building materials that Mm -hmm. have been put into play um, building a crazy amount of housing stock right now is like the worst time possible because it's so expensive. Um, and if we can learn anything from the historical perspective of those markets, it's that at some point prices will come down relative to inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the point at which price comes down that you really hit go and and you ramp up the number of units that you build so that supply can meet demand. Mm-hmm. Um so as, as a nonprofit agency, we can't expect that we're going to build tens of thousands of units right. in this period where construction is super expensive. But if what we can do is reset the system so that it's fully primed and ready to mm-hmm. go the moment that the math starts to make sense again, and simultaneously that we can build the right kinds of examples across municipal boundaries so that there's we've got a context-sensitive solution for downtown Holland and one for Holland neighborhoods and one for a township, Um, And there's probably going to be a difference in what product looks like in Park Township versus Holland Charter Township. Mm -hmm. But beginning to build those examples so that our decision makers feel comfortable at the next point in the economy when it really makes sense for us to have a building boom again. So that that pressure for growth can be adequately uh, channeled in the direction that decision makers really want it to go Mm -hmm. rather than just this sort of sprawl all over the place none of which is affordable and none of which is efficient from an access to work and amenities perspective.
0: Right. Okay. So in the immediate, what's next for you? Do you have any events you're speaking at or, um, anything else?
1: Yeah. Um, so coming up, um, there are a couple of events next week. Um, the, um, Michigan council of foundations is hosting an event where, um, Our organization, Housing Next, along with the community foundations, we're going to kind of talk about the creation of this organization and what the pathway is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're having conversations with other organizations across the state about what does this look like? What are we learning? You know, how can they adapt similar models or how do we learn from them? Mm -hmm. Um, And then in November, uh, we're doing an event with the Lakeshore Lakeshore Human Resource Managers Association, LARMA. Mm -hmm. Um, to talk about what Housing Next is up to and how that impacts their ability to attract and retain talent. Um, So we'll have a conversation back and forth about that. Um, But then, really, a lot of our work is going to be happening quietly in the weeds with local municipalities Mm -hmm. to figure out how do we move the needle. So um, in some communities, we're really focusing on accessory dwelling units as an opportunity to build essentially gentle density in existing Mm -hmm. neighborhoods um, get apartments above garages or in backyards. Um, in other communities, we're, we're working through how do we do more mixed-use, mixed-income, kind of multi-story, multi-family projects. Um, and at one community that's doing a great job, um, Grand Haven Charter Township has a missing middle overlay that they're working on, which is the missing middle is that housing type that you see a lot of pre-1940 construction Um, Very classic like Heritage Hill kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. where you've got four unit and six unit and 10 unit buildings that we just didn't build almost any of after 1960. But it's a great kind of building type to get affordability into single family neighborhoods without having this monstrous apartment building that Mm -hmm. feels like it's out of place. Um, So thinking through how do we make that work first in Grand Haven Charter Township, uh, we'll support them in that. And then can we adapt their model to other communities across the county? Um, and so it's those incremental but systemic changes that we're really going to spend a lot of time on over the last, next six to 12 months.
0: Okay. Busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you'll just have to keep us updated.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I think anytime something's upcoming, uh, I'm happy to, to keep you informed and come back in for another chat.
0: Yeah. Good. Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to chat about or add? <laughs>
1: Um, you know, I think primarily just that people's stories are important. Mm-hmm. Um, that what we're trying to do is get this right for the long term. Um, and so, if if there's a, a feeling out there in the community that uh, we're missing an important element, or um, that in some way we could improve this effort, we want to hear from those folks. So, housingnext.org is our website. Um, they can reach me at Ryan K at housingnext.org. Um, I, you know we're very interested in community input across the landscape so we want to hear from people
0: okay well thank you very much yeah, for thank you the update and your work in the city yeah thanks Sydney. just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left